Allow us the preciousness to know that we've spent time with you. For you are the exalted king. You are awesome and superior in all ways. And we offer to you the rightful place that you deserve. You are our honored guest. And we thank you that you allow us this privilege to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ and the family of God and to rejoice in you, be strengthened by you, to be encouraged through you so that we can be a witness for you. And may that be the heartbeat of our hearts, the very depths of our soul. May we desire, O Lord God, to seek you. For when we seek you, we find you. And the more we find you, the more we love you. Because it's overwhelming. Thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. Blessed in your mighty name, we thank you. Amen. Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they insist. They instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things in their hearts that their hearts desired, and as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise." That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with, each other, with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Therefore they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that, they should, that never should be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Let's pray together. Lord, we read in your scripture these sobering facts. Lord, we read of, of what we see and we see it all around us here. Lord, I pray that you would draw near to us today while we hear from your word. 
Lord, help us to understand what it is you would have for us this day. And Lord, help us to apply this to our hearts so that we may see the world as you see it, Lord, as a world that needs saving. Lord, I pray that that our hearts would be touched today, that we would, we would go from here with a new understanding of who we are in you. Lord, I pray for those who are sitting here, and I pray for those who are watching um, anywhere else in this church and also at home, Lord, that you would uh, draw near to us and bless our hearts today. Lord, be with Pastor Doug as he brings the word to us. Uh, give him strength of voice and of body so that he may be a vessel for you. Lord, we ask and pray these things in your name. Amen. A little point of business before we begin. Sitting in our congregation is an answer to prayer. And too often we don't highlight that. And too often we don't acknowledge that to the great God that we have. How great is our God? Because Natalie is sitting here. So we need to give God a praise offering this morning. Amen. Amen. I asked her if, if any of the restrictions are off, and she says, no, I still can't do a lot of things. And I said, well, does that mean you don't have to make your bed? And she said, no, Mom won't let that go. So uh, we thank God that Natalie is here. And when we saw that video of that train going down that same track, I'm going, Lord, have mercy these teenagers just don't learn, do they? But Natalie, it's great to have you here, dear. Bless the Lord. I appreciate your prayers for my knee. Um, still don't know all that's going on with it. Had uh, a sonogram done. I don't have any blood clots, which is a good thing. They took three x-rays. And when your knee hurts... And they say, now stand straight. I said, I can't. They said, well, then twist your knee just this way. I said, look it, we're not moving furniture. <laughs> you take my knee and you place it the way you want it, and I'll hold it there. And so they took three x-rays, and uh, I still don't know the... Well, I do know, we, on the way home from the hospital, we get a call uh, from a young lady trying to tell me a little bit about the x-rays, and I'm more confused than, than what I started at, so I'll just have to wait and see what that is. But uh, I have a brace on, so uh, I won't be moving around too much, because if I move this way, I'm going to fall. So we'll just stay right here. Is that okay with you all? I don't really care if it is or not. I'm staying right here. <laughs> it's just the way it is. But anyway. When you go on a trip, the first thing you do is plan the particular route that you're going to take. You look at the destination that you want to get at, and in between there, you may have to plan on some other places to stay if it is a long distance that you're going. 
And every once in a while in life, we sit back and we don't necessarily plan the destination in Jesus Christ that's already been planned. Amen. I'm going home. But we can look at our lives and we can see events and how we got to where we are. The occupation that we're working in. The spouse that we are married to and the place that we live. Events of life have directed us there. And every once in a while, it's nice just to sit back and ask the question, how did we get here? Well, the passage that Pastor Steve read this morning delivers that same kind of question. Because it starts out with a very stark explanation. But we kind of wonder, how did we get here? As a nation, how did we get here? Because how we are here literally is affecting the foundations of family. And so this morning, I I still believe that there are pockets of praise in the midst of the culture of chaos. I believe that there's still lights on the hill and there's salt to savor the earth and the community around us. I I truly believe that. Yet I find myself still wondering how did we get here? If we can have the first slide, please. It's, It's this. There aren't any simple answers. Lots of factors have brought us to where we are today and many streams flow into the present situation that we are now facing. This morning I I wish to embark on you to offer you that there are five life views that have shaped the present situation that families find themselves struggling with. These life views have disrupted the foundations of family and ultimately has caused the weakening in our society. There's one thing you need to keep in mind. There's space there to write this down. You need to write this down. It goes something like this. Everything that is visible and, if you will, Physical. Everything that is visible and physical is controlled by that which is invisible and spiritual. I truly believe that these five life views that we're going to look at, though they are physical in their appearance, but yet I truly believe that they are being controlled by invisible spirit so everything that is physical and visible is controlled by that which is invisible and spiritual remember that the first life view next slide please is this it's called relativism I've taken the time to 
type all of this out for you on your study sheet because I want your attention. I, I don't want you trying to make sure you get every last word. I know some of you are like, got to get every last word and every slot that's there. So I've taken the time to type it out for you. Because these are very important things as they relate to Romans chapter 1. We won't finish all of Romans chapter 1. After the Easter season, we got to be refreshed by the resurrection of Jesus. Can I get an amen? We need to be refreshed like that by that. But after that, we'll come back to Romans chapter 1 because I want to talk to you about the passive wrath of God. And how we're seeing that on display today. The first view, relativism. Relativism says that, that meaning and truth are relative. So that what is right for one person may be wrong for another person. Relativism, if you will, influences our thinking today by using the following sentences. And maybe you've heard them before. Maybe you've even thought them yourself when it says, you can't tell me what to do. I heard too much of that on the bus at Awana. You're right, I can't tell you what to do, but I can say you're not on this bus next week. But anyway. Or, there is no such thing as absolute truth. Now, now when you stop and think about that, for an individual to say there is no such thing as absolute truth, they have made an absolute statement. Doesn't make sense, does it? And the third thing is, that's great for you, but it's not for me. Relativism also denies that there's any one right way to understanding the world. Religion is but one example of how someone could choose to live his or her life, but isn't authoritative for anyone. When you read the first two verses and go back over them with Pastor Steve read in verse 18 and 19 of Romans chapter 1, it just oozes with relativism. For it says again, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Relativism says, reality, there is no God. And yet, they can't deny that God has placed in each and every human being that is born on this earth the very reality of who he is younger I was constantly amazed of missionaries who would come to church and report as they walked into a tribe that had never had the gospel and yet they're in there worshiping something 
It is inherent in every human being to worship. Now, you may worship power. You may worship money. You may worship success. You may even worship other people. But it is inherent to worship. And when you suppress the truth, then you are very well denying the one who gave us the truth. And so relativism has shown us that the consequences of life are staggering without God. I don't know if you all know this, and maybe you are aware of it, and forgive me for being redundant, but at the onset of this year's Congress, they had an individual who led in prayer to a Hindu god and asking for that Hindu god to bless this nation. The suppression of truth that there is only one God, not many, has long left our society. Relativism is rampant, not just in our society, but unfortunately, even in our homes. We may not say it to the pastor, well, you can't tell me what to do. You're right, I can't. But we have the written word of God. And if you're not heeding that, then you are engaging yourself in relativism. And you're well on your way to consequences that you don't even want to think about. The second life view that I give to you, this, it's called post-Christendom. Post-Christendom. Literally, it means that Christianity's culture influence is dying. This means that moral truths that Christianity teaches are having less and less impact with each passing year and generation. Where you live may not seem post-Christian, but the most influential sectors of U.S. culture, academia, media, entertainment, art, law, are increasingly no longer influenced by Christianity because those who occupy those places of prestige, influence, and cultural impact are in most cases not Christian, nor are they sympathetic to Christian views. Institutions of higher education that were once founded on the truth of the word of God now are bastions of socialism and communism. Right is wrong. 
wrong is right. And Romans chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 highlights the prognosis when it says professing to be wise. They became fools in their thinking. Because they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image of corruptible man. Decency has given way to debauchery. Darkness and death are celebrated more than life. Wisdom is now foolishness. And biblical guidance seems to be a dream of the past. Post-Christendom. When you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, you are awakened quickly to an opening statement that ought to shatter you when it says there's going to be a great falling away first. Someone once said, but by the year of 2030, nine years from now, there will be 20 million people who will leave the church. We've lost the sense and the wonder of how great our God is. Post-Christendom. The third view of life is called radical individualism. The new iPhones that are coming out, and maybe they are already on market, that I don't know. But they're highlighting the sale of them by saying you can take wonderful pictures of yourself. Radical individualism. It's not long, like I said before, I'm off Facebook, so I don't need to see them anymore. But when I was on Facebook... I would dare say every day someone's taking a selfie. We become wrapped up in our self. There was a study done that they put six teenagers with cell phones in the same room. And instead of talking to one another, they're texting someone who sits right next to them. We can't be bothered by other people because this is my world. Now, individualism is not bad. In fact, in many ways, individualism has built this nation. To put a man on the moon started with a thought of one man. To go to the depths of the seas began with a thought of one man. Scientists have given us medicines that have 
helped us to be healthy. Inventors have given us things that make our lives easier. Artists have provided for us things that just awe us as we stare at them. So individualism isn't bad, but when you get to radical individualism, what you have is it says everyone gets to write their own script. What an individual wills or wants is the highest good. And it's wrong to tell someone that his or her choice or beliefs are wrong or immoral. I'll just highlight this for you. This is where the cancel culture is coming from. We have no right to say that that's wrong. So it gets canceled. Some of you may have experienced that in your own ministry as you're on Facebook trying to talk to people about Jesus. Pretty soon, you're cut off. And lastly, the greatest sin, in fact, the only sin, is judging someone else. How dare you judge me? Well, 1 John 4, 1 says, Test the spirits to see if they are from God. We have a responsibility not based upon what we have to say, but based upon someone help me here with the word of God. This is the ultimate truth. It is the only truth. And we're not judging someone to make them feel bad. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of sanctification. We've been given the ministry as described for us in 2 Timothy or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the ministry of reconciliation, leading people to Jesus Christ. I'm not judging you. I'm giving you hope of life. And when the truth of God's word is no longer reigns supreme, then there is no standard of judgment. The book of Samuel closes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Radical individualism. And when a family starts falling into the process of neglecting the truth of Scripture, the foundations begin to crumble. And what is left are memories or thoughts of what could have been. And it's replaced with broken pieces and hearts. The fourth view of life is called the sexual revolution. 
The sexual revolution of the 1960s gave rise to the popular idea that if it feels good, Nike, do it. Back in many of my younger years, when individuals thought I could sing a little bit, they wanted me to sing in their wedding. But there was one song I refused to sing. It was performed and recorded by Debbie Boone, which was, How Can It Be Wrong If It Feels So Right? You Light Up My Life. Big deal. Who are you talking about? The upheaval of the sexual revolution taught that our bodies are our own. How have we heard that? And for us to enjoy in whatever we want. The unfortunate thing is, is in the sexual revolution, the invention of systems to eliminate the unborn is unfortunately one of the highest and most successful idioms of this philosophy. Saddens my heart. Time is fleeting and so is my voice. The fifth view is this. This is huge. Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the ancient view that taught that the physical world matter is bad and broken. And that what really matters is for a person to seek spiritual escape from the world. Gnosticism emphasizes that a person's self-awareness is different than and more important than their physical body. Watch out now. We're talking about identity now. The Equality Act, H.R. 5, which has passed. Both House and Senate of our federal government. It's called identity personality. Gnosticism says that there is an inherent tension between our true selves and our bodies we inhibit. Careful now. The concept that our gender can be different than our biological sex is a modern form of the old Gnostic idea. First John, the epistle of First John, was written for a defense against Gnosticism. This is not new. This was a time, this was around when the apostles walked this earth. Gnosticism said that Jesus really didn't come. He was only a spirit. He wasn't a true person. And John opens up with the verses that highlight the fact 
In the beginning was the Word. And we have seen Him. We have touched Him. And we have heard Him. And we declare unto you the truth. That you can have fellowship with Him. And truly our fellowship is in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, And that which we preach to you is this, that in him is no darkness, no, no darkness at all. He lives. He's not a spirit being. He was flesh. And he took on the form of man in order that he may die for the sin of the world. And that through his death, burial, and resurrection, that by grace through faith, whoever would believe in him is guaranteed eternal life. Based upon his writings when he said to Nicodemus at night, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was saying, God the Father loves you that much that he gave me. That if you believe in me, You'll have eternal life. Oh, I can't wait to celebrate Easter. Friday's coming, but Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. Oh, man. Turn me loose on that. But in Romans chapter 1, verses 24 to 27, that's where we have the battle of identity. Who are we? What do I feel like today? And may I just comment here? I got, I'm over time, but that's okay. I'll blame it on my bum knee. What did we really expect was going to happen when all of a sudden the transgender movement kicked in? Ladies, I'm about to tell you something. The safety and the sanctity of you is at stake. Now they have to produce laws that say boys who want to be transgender girls can't run in races with girls. What did we expect was going to happen? God says, if that's what you want, that's the consequences you will have. And I will show you what life will be without me. That is his passive wrath that we'll discuss after Easter. One of the things that happens in these four views, these five views, is that these are the streams that flow into our society and explain how we've come to the debates in which our society is now engaged. These statements, these streams also inherit in our loss of the validity of God's word and our loss of the sight into the wrath of God. These streams of confusion do lead to a river of consequences.
Heaven help our nation. Heaven help our families, our churches, and our society. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, it is in the matchless name of Christ our Savior, who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same is in the beginning with God. We are aware of society that we have lost our way. We've hooked our wagon to life philosophies that have forgotten who you are. And what seems to be in the presence of our society today is the passive wrath of a holy God making the statement that if that's what you want, that's what you can have. And you will know what life is without me. Oh, the emptiness that comes to a life that does not know Jesus. They seek after happiness in realms that the world cannot supply. But the true joy comes to one who falls at the feet of Jesus and by grace through faith just says, save me, I believe. Instantly, that one is guaranteed a life relationship that will last for all eternity. Not based upon what we have done, but based upon the glory and the wonder of our Savior who willingly died for us that we might live. So, Lord, we are about to embark on a great time of season, a season of remembrance, the wonder and the glory that we call Easter. Yes, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. And may that ring true in our lives as we live for the glory and honor of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's in his mighty name we pray. Amen.